launching a brand new series for the Christmas season called A Thrill of Hope. And uh, how many know our world needs hope? That song says that it's a weary world that rejoices because we found a savior, we have hope. How many know our world is still weary and needs the message of hope? Needs the message of a savior. And um, I'm grateful for this series. I'm excited to get into it, partly because I know it's so relevant to a weary season that the world is finding itself in. But a lot of people would think that you gauge your sermons based on people's feedback. So you might think that if on a Sunday I get done preaching a sermon and someone goes like, hey, that was really good and it spoke to me this way and I appreciate that. Um, I'm like, oh, that was a pretty good sermon because someone told me. That's not how I gauge a good sermon. I can usually tell if it's going to be a good series or a good sermon on if I'm making demons mad or religious spirits mad. I'm like, okay, well, I'm here to tell you today. I know this is going to be a good sermon, a good series because I was attacked online this week by a witch. And so we're off to a good start. I'm not calling somebody a witch. I'm saying a witch. (laughs) Uh, I was helping a pastor who's going to be planting a church and uh, I'm helping him get ready and all connected. And then all of a sudden my, I wear an Apple watch and and my phone is blowing up and everything's going off like crazy. And I'm like, okay, something's going on. So I look at it. First one I actually see is from Tanya, uh, Doug's wife, Tanya. And, um, and she goes, way to go. There you are again. Well, I'll quiet it down, but, uh, taking off a lot of people on Facebook again. Uh, a lot of people think Tanya's a sweetheart and so kind. She cusses profusely like a sailor. I had to cut that back. Yeah, people don't know that about her. But so she's like, there you are again. Look what you're doing online. I was like, I haven't even been on Facebook. What are we talking about? And sure enough, we had somebody just absolutely coming after us, hates this church, hates me. And um, I use that as motivation that God's about to do a good thing. Amen. Uh, our philosophy around here is that witches get stitches. And so that's all we're going to do is we're going to just handle it. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'm excited. I hope you're excited now to hear the sermon. So bust out your Bibles and your notepads. Uh, I just believe that God still speaks, right? Like he just still speaks to his people. And one of the primary ways he does it is through his word. So many people go like, I need a word from God. I need to hear from God. I wish God would speak to me or use a prophet to speak to me. Well, God put a lot of words for you in his word. So let's value that word. Let's bust open our Bibles. Let's take notes. I love what A.W. Tozer says. He says, whatever keeps me from my Bible is my enemy, however harmless it may appear to be. So what are even those like little things that are just keeping us out of God's word and his truth? Let's just ask that God remove those so that we can get all of him. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. So grateful for today, Lord, the word that you have for us. God, I give you thanks for all that you did in first service. And God, we just ask that you move again through second service as we hear the word and those listening online. God, we do pray against anything that's keeping us from your truth, any distraction or hindrance. We say it'll have no effect. It'll come to naught. We want all that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to talk the next couple of weeks about the thrill of hope. And I'm so grateful for hope because hope is a good thing. And, and, and hope comes with a lot of different things. The definition of hope is a desire accompanied by expectation of or belief fulfillment is on the way. Belief fulfillment is on the way. That's hope. Hope is a desire accompanied by expectation in this idea that we can believe that fulfillment is on the way. Can I give you a little bit better news than that? Uh, Not only is fulfillment like on the way and we can have expectation, but I'm here to tell you that fulfillment has already come and his name is Jesus. Hope is already here. We have a savior. Are you with me today? So let's jump into the Christmas story and look at that, this hope that we have. The thrill of hope that 
that God is above it all, that he came and he sent his son uh, who came in a manger, but died on a cross for us. And it gives us hope. Uh, We see it in Luke chapter two, verse eight, New King James Version. It says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. We just sang about this. Heaven's bringing good news. Heaven's bringing hope. So don't be afraid because I bring you good tidings of joy, which will be for some people. No, that's going to be for all people. Can I get an amen? It's going to be for everybody. This good news, this hope is for everybody. And then it says, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel. And suddenly with an angel was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. That's pretty amazing. Glory to God in the highest or speaking of the glory of God in heaven. But then they say, and on earth, peace and goodwill, or again, good news to all men. Sorry about that, women, but to all men, like to all men. Now, the good news is for everybody. It's for everybody. So, hey, guess what? Heaven and the glory and all that God has up in heaven. But also you can have hope because the good news of heaven has come where? To earth. And can I tell you that that hope and that good news is still here today. You can live and walk and move in the thrill of hope. Why? Because the message of Christmas is that it's now on the scene. Can I get an amen today? The scripture says that the a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. This weary world needs some hope. It needs a hope dealer. And God's design was actually to send a hope dealer. And it's the body of Christ. It's the people of God. Do you know that if you were to walk around when Jesus was leading and ministering and leading his disciples, people would have looked out at the people who were following Jesus and they would have said, oh yeah, yeah, look at those people. Um, It's so obvious that they're Christ followers by the good news that they bring and the hope that they bring to their communities. Those people over there, they're Christians. They're Christians. That's where we get the word Christians. It's so obvious about them that they're Christians. Now that's how it should be in the world that we live in. Oh, hey, look over there. Look at that church. Look at those Christians. Look at those people. Man, they're so full of good news and they're so full of hope and love and for the community. And look at that. But unfortunately, nowadays, when the world sees Christians, they go, oh, watch out. Oh, not Christians. Here they come with judgment. Oh, watch. I'm not telling the truth today. You're looking at me like I'm making it up. No, oh, uh, the world's like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no. Here come some Christians. Oh, boy, the most negative. Oh, they're going to pick at something. They're going to boycott something. And I understand that there's a time where you got to stand up for truth. But Christians, Christians, Christians are the people that are called to bring the good news. You don't have to live this way because God has given us a better way. Are you with me today? Nobody likes the negative Nancy. I used to run a bakery when I was in my late teens, 18, 19, 20. And um, you don't know that about me. Is uh, I'm a pretty good cake decorator. I can make you a, a really pretty rose out of frosting. I know you look at me and you think like, oh, yeah, just <laughs> one of these days I will. Which, by the way, can I just say this since it's second service and I'm allowed to go a little bit longer? Some of you people, we used to have a pretty regular sale down there at that grocery store. And we would take two dozen cookies. It was a 24 count clamshell, right? And we would take those and we would run a sale that was 
two of those for four dollars. And so do the math. Okay, that's twenty-four plus twenty-four. Somebody got okay. Good, forty-eight. Good. The Virginia people got it. Where are you guys at? That's forty-eight cookies for four dollars. Some of you are taking out a loan for the cookies you're buying at Crumble now. Hey, I'm gonna come in here and just finance like a half a one. Anyway, the game's different. So uh, we had this lady that was on my team. She was a part of uh, the bakery department. My brother was on our bakery department. And uh, he's two years younger than me. And we used to get the biggest kick out of this lady. We'll call her Nancy, negative Nancy. Because every time you saw her coming, it was going to be bad news. It was going to be a huge complaint. And she was a little bit older and didn't really like the way that things were going in management with like corporate bakeries and all this stuff. So she was very frumpy about her job. And so my brother and I, we were just like, we couldn't wait for her to leave us a voicemail because she always said the same thing. Like, oh, hey, we got a voicemail from the, my brother lived with me at the time. Oh, we got a voicemail uh, from the store. We should see what it is. And she would call and she would say, Josh, it's Nancy. Not her name. We got problems. (laughs) And we would laugh our butts off. To this day, if there's ever anything not going right with my brother, I do the same thing. I call him on my way on the way to his house. I'm stuck in traffic. Adam, it's Josh. We got problems <laughs> all day long. You can look him up and find it. But it got to a point where you'd see her coming and you'd be like, "Oh no, here it comes. She's gonna throw up on us. She's gonna have something negative to say." And my worry is that's where the church has gotten in the world. Oh, here come the Christian. We're supposed to be the hope dealers. Are you with me? We're supposed to be the people telling the good news of Christ. Are you with me today? We have the message of the hope of the world on our side. And so I'm here to encourage you today that we have a reason to be hopeful. Jeremiah 29, 11, you guys all know this. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Those are the good plans we just sang about. He said, well, no, not me. Odds are stacked against me. It's always run in my family. It's always been this way. I didn't make the right choices when I got married. I didn't marry the right person. No, God's plans for you always are to give you a hope and a future. You say, well, now you're going to get technical on me. You're going to say, well, pastor, that letter in Jeremiah was actually for the exiles. That doesn't really apply to us today. Okay, fine. I'll give you that. Although it does apply to you. Let's do this then. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That sounds like hope-filled living, doing good works, doing good things, walking in good plans. Are you with me? And it says, I'm going to create you to live this way because God prepared in advance for you to live in this hope and in this good news. God has hope for you. The message of Christmas is that we have hope. Are you with me? And some of you are like, no, pastor, you're still wrong because I've never experienced a miracle. I've never experienced the breakthrough of God. People talk about like, you can have hope because I've seen God do it before. And you might be sitting here going like, I've not seen God move on my behalf. I've never experienced a miracle. And with all due respect, I'm here to tell you that you've never not experienced a miracle. Every day of your life, every moment that you're breathing is a miracle of God. Let's just take a look a little bit at like where we stand in terms of the galaxy. Currently in the seat that you sit in, planet Earth, as you sit there right now, is spinning round at 1,000 miles per hour. You're sitting here just hanging out in space, this round globe called Earth, and it's also somehow hanging and filled with water. Unless you're some of those flat Earth people, we'll have an altar call for you. We can pray for you in a prayer room and 
You believe some of that wacko weirdo stuff. I have a mask I can sell you. But anyway, so, so, like a ski mask. It's cold, the winter. Jeez, everybody accusing me. It's like, don't put words in my mouth, okay? And so, can you forward my emails to Doug this week? I need some water. So 1,000 miles an hour, we're spinning around. Somehow that's all being held together right now. You're sitting right here. We're going 1,000 miles per hour in a spin right now, planet Earth. None of us are dizzy, which by the way, we've just eliminated the excuse of, of when you go to the fair and you tell the kids, I can't go on the tilt the world. We're on the tilt the world. But currently right now, as you sit, it is a miracle. God's hand is on your life right now that all this is being perfectly held together. You're experiencing a miracle. In 24 hours, you will be blasting through space, spinning 1,000 miles per hour. You'll make a full rotation around the sun every 24 hours. And do you know that at the end of the day, you never get to the edge of your bed and sit down and pray, hey God, thank you for the miracle that we completed this rotation around the sun. We never do that. Yet it's a miracle that you're experiencing right now. Do you know that currently... As we're spinning 1,000 miles per hour around and around and around as we go through space, do you know that the earth is traveling actually at 1,000 miles per hour? I'm sorry, 67,000 miles per hour. You're spinning at 1,000 miles per hour and you're traveling at 67,000 miles per hour through space. And at the completion of it all in one day, you will have traveled 1.6 million miles through space. And you think God's miraculous isn't on your life? Jess is always saying to me, like, you, you, you need to start running. You should probably start running. At your age, you're running out of time to start running. <laughs> and I'm like, woman, I've already gone 1.6 million miles today. Get off my back. <laughs> Just kidding. She gave up on asking me to run a long time ago. <laughs> but all of that is as impressive and unbelievable as it is. And I could go on and on about all the unbelievable facts about planets and galaxies and all of the things that God's hand is still continuing to do. What's amazing about that is this is how much hope you should have in the miraculous power of God. Do you know that all of that went into existence with four simple words from your God, your savior, let there be light. And do you know that the galaxies are still responding this day to let there be light because galaxies are still being created. Things are still being, beyond what we can even see, God's miracles are still happening. I think he can move on your behalf. Are you with me today? Just your birth, from conception to birth, they tell us that 130 octillion things needed to go perfectly from your conception to birth. 130 octillion things needed to go perfectly for you to be here. Do you know that that's 130 with 27 zeros behind it? All of those things had to go perfectly for you to be here. Why? Because you're a miracle and you experience the miraculous. Are you with me today? Sunrises and sunsets every single day, you're experiencing a miracle of God. And we can have hope in the fact that our God is unstoppable. Think about this. Sunset, sunrise is a miracle. Do you know that Cambridge University just recently confirmed, go look this up, that we see in scripture when they called for the sun to stand still because God's people were in a battle and they asked for the sun to stand still. And God said, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I can do that. I can make the sun stand still. Do you know that Cambridge just confirmed that sometime in our existence, the sun actually stood still for 24 hours? It's a miracle. It's unbelievable what we've experienced. 
even to this moment right now, that if we were a little too far away from the sun, we would all freeze. But God keeps us perfectly in line because he's so powerful. Do you know that if we were a little too close to the sun, we would all burn? Just a little bit closer, we would all burn. Which, this time of year, I'd be okay being a little closer to the sun, right? Let's just scooch the sun Every time you breathe, I'm just trying to get you to see the miracles that happen in you and around you all, all the time. Every time you breathe, when you take a breath in, do you know that five sextillion oxygen molecules will be formed and will come in on that oxygen? That is five with 21 zeros behind it. Five sextillion oxygen mo molecules will enter your body. They will attach to 35 trillion red blood cells and in those red blood cells is 260 million proteins called hemoglobin. And then that blood will pump through your heart. When your heart goes boom, boom, six quarts of blood will then shoot through 60,000 miles of veins and arteries in your body and keep you alive. Just to give you some perspective about how much 60,000 miles are, they say you can take a trip around the earth in 30,000 miles. And your body contains two times the amount of veins and arteries to go around the world twice. How many you know God's hand is on your life? How many know the miraculous is, hap is happening in you every single day? So you may say, you've never experienced a miracle. I can't have hope because I haven't seen God's hand on my life. I'm here to say God is so faithful in the miraculous, you might just take it for granted. So I'm here to tell you, if you're not dead, God's not done. I'm here to say over our country that God's not done. It may look terrible in America. We might not like the stats. And, and I don't know what doctors report you see, but God's hand is all over it. I don't care what it looks like in your family and in your marriage and in your career and in your teenagers. I don't care what you're facing. If it's not over, God's not over. He's the God of hope. He's the God of the miraculous. And he doesn't live according to our time, space, and all the things that we can see, touch, and feel. God doesn't apply to our senses. Think about this. To even say this to God. Like, hey, God, will you do a miracle? As if a miracle is something more than just what he does. God is above it all. God can do it all. He's all powerful. So, that, so when you say to God, hey, we need a miracle, he's like, you need me to just be me. Because he's above it all. Are you with me today? I thought about it like this. Um, I heard this equation with Legos, so I brought Legos today. These are eight stud, they call them, eight stud bricks. And uh, I brought these six eight stud bricks. Oh, look, they're amazing blue. How about that? I didn't notice that. And, uh, and so what they did this study, there was a mathematician. He actually creates algorithms. And he did this study. And so you've got these six eight stud bricks. And, uh, you know, just putting them together, we'll kind of go over some different numbers, but what we would have here would be like back to back to back, back to back to back. That's three in a row. Um, go blue. So they asked, so this guy's like, okay, I want to find out the algorithm to how many possible scenarios, they call them permutations, that you could make out of eight, six, so eight stud, six blocks. Wish my mathematicians over here. We know that if you go six times eight, that's 48. Like you guys get that quickly because you didn't do common core. So you guys, the rest can bring the answer back. 
can bring the answer back next week when you finally figure it out. But uh, I need a vacation. Um, so, so there's this guy. His name is Soren Eilers. He, he comes up with algorithms. If you don't know what an algorithm is, it's computer-based, like figure out all the exact narrows, everything down to all the possible scenarios. So in my hand, I'm holding there's 48, as we just heard. There's six, I know I'm being redundant, eight count, six, eight count Legos here. We know that there's 48 different studs, they call them. So if I were to tell you, okay, take a piece of paper, go sit over here and write down all of the different equations, knowing that there's 48, if you use them all, we might say, hey, you could probably come up with hundreds of scenarios in this. When you put it like this, it looks like there's six. Maybe you spread it out a little bit more. You could make it look like a little bit more. So maybe we get ourselves into the hundreds. We hold it in our hands. We do it a bunch of different ways. Go, maybe there's hundreds. But you're probably sitting in here going like, this is a trick. It's not hundreds, it's thousands. It's probably thousands of different possibilities with this equation that I can hold in my hands. Now, someone in here might be really kind of like, no, no, he's really trying to get us hundreds of thousands. And I'd be going like, how are you going to get to hundreds of thousands when there's only 48 and there's six of these eight stud. Do you wanna know what the algorithm answer is to this? They ran this through all the possible scenarios and the mathematicians came up with 915,103,765 is the possible opportunities that you could build with just this right here. So when the world comes to you in your life situation and it's like, this is it. This is it. The doctor's report says, hey, you got a few scenarios here. And the marriage is like, hey, we've tried for like six years and we've gone to counseling and we've gone to, th- and we just tried as much. And this teenager and my wayward son, we've tried and this is it. And we've tried and we've tried it as many ways possible. And I've tried all the different scenarios. God's like, oh, you, you think that that's it? The doctor says this is all that it's going to be and you're not going to make it and there's no equation. There's no possible scenario where you're ever going to come out of this. And God's like, well, actually, you think you see them all? I have 918 million more things because nothing limits God. Are you with me today? I'm here to tell you have hope and his hope is Jesus. Are you with me today? That's why the scripture says it this way in Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. So much more than this is the hope that we have then we can ask, imagine, according to his power that works in us. And if you begin to look at scripture, you're like, what's the message of the Bible? What does God want us to understand? He wants us to understand that you can have hope because he's the God who overcomes all things. Let's look at his first miracle. What is scripture trying to get us to see in his first miracle? You know, the first miracle, the first impressive thing we didn't see from Jesus. He didn't get up and like, wow, people with like a theological, hey, and this and that. The first miracle that we see is that he's at a wedding. And the scripture says something really bad happens. They ran out of wine. I mean, it's bad when you run out of wine. When your house is out of wine, we need Jesus. I don't know. I'm just saying some things. But the scripture says that they're out. What a weird miracle. We're out of wine. And so Jesus is like, hey, go get some water. And they're like, no, we said we're out of wine. He's like, I know, go get some water. Why? Because he wants to say that you can have hope in all things because Jesus is above everything and he can even change molecular structure of water. 
So I don't know what your equations are with your things. God's message to us is always like in my hands, I can do so much more than what's in your hands. Even the feeding of the 5,000. What a weird story. Jesus is teaching, he's preaching, he's doing all this kind of stuff and they need some food and people are getting hungry. Now Jesus at any point, any time could have done anything. But instead he's like, I want you guys to go round up what we have and try to equate it in your own hands. And they're going to eventually come to him and go, hey, this is all we got. And this is the best case scenario. And this is it. And he goes, I know in your hands, that's what's the best case scenario. According to world standards, that's the best case scenario. But give that over to me and watch what I can do. You should have some hope. Are you with me? Look at all the miracles. I could go on and on and preach all day, but I know you don't like it when I do that. And so let me give you one more. Jesus is cooking a meal. He's on the shore. And the scripture says that they've all been fishing. They're all out there fishing. And the scripture says that they come in and they didn't catch anything. They're all frustrated. Oh, we haven't caught nothing. The scripture says they got everything all put away already. And they're all frustrated because they didn't. And then Jesus asked him a question, which is always funny when he does that because he already knows the answer. Hey, hey guys, how'd it go? Did you catch anything? And they're like, no, we didn't catch anything. And they're all upset. And he's like, all right, well, go back out there. Throw your net out again. Dude, this guy doesn't get it. Like, we already did everything. We tried here. We did that. We used this bait. We did that thing. I've tried all the equations. He's like, well, why don't you do at my word? Why don't you be obedient to what I say and go try it? So they go back out. What does the scripture say? They've caught so much, the nets begin to break. What am I trying to say? That he exceeded immeasurably above all more than they could ask or think. Why? That's why we can have hope. I thought about in Genesis. You might be sitting here today being like, no, 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 pastor, I'm down to nothing. You don't get it. Like I'm down to nothing. I have no more options. And God to you today is like this. Oh, awesome. You should be full of hope. No, no, you didn't hear me. I'm down to nothing. I have nothing. And God's like, yeah, I know. I've done that before. It's called Genesis. When the scripture says that in Genesis, there was nothing and God created something from nothing. So I don't know what your nothing is right now, but the same spirit that the scripture says was covering and hovering in Genesis is the same spirit that's covering and hovering over your life and can create something out of nothing. Can I get amen today? And so have hope. God does not exist inside our dimensions and our understandings and our experiences. That's why he said in Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. The impossible is possible. And that should give us a reason to hope. Are you with me today? I'll close with this. We know that the passage says that, hey, here's how you're going to get it done. Not by might, not by power. Not by education, not by money, not by might, not by power, not by any of that, but by my spirit, we can have hope and overcome the impossible. I thought about how Jesus said this, uh, hey, when you have those mountains, when you have those impossibilities, remember Jesus said, whenever you have those mountains, he said, you're called to speak to them. I've given you the authority to say to mountains, move, go be thrown into the sea. And the mistake that we make when we're facing the impossible is instead of speaking to the mountain, we go to God and we tell God about the mountain. Oh God, I don't know if you've noticed down here, but this is going on in my life and this is going on in my life. But remember God's instruction was for us to say to the mountain, we're not called to tell God about the mountain. We're called to tell the mountain about our God. We're not called to tell God about the mountain. We're called to tell the mountain about our God. Are you with me today? 
And so we need to speak and we need to declare. That's why God said, I'm watching over my word to perform it. We got to speak God's word, recite God's word, believe God's truth in order to see mountains move. People say to me all the time, well, pastor, you know, I'm going through this, but I'm just waiting on the Lord. I just need to wait on the Lord. The problem with that is sometimes inaction is action. So God, God's called you to like step in and move and speak and say to your mountain, you're saying, oh, I'm just, a, and your inaction becomes your only action. Right. Or the same thing with your indecision. Well, I'm not sure. God hasn't made it clear. And so I'm going to sit here and, 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 and I just wish that someone would give me a word. And, I wish, and so you sit there in this indecision. And then the problem is you don't end up doing anything. You don't walk in obedience. You don't move. And your indecision becomes a decision. Am I telling the truth today? And so it's important for us to be speaking and declaring and believing that God is the God of hope. I wrote it down like this. Testimony is prophecy. Testimony is prophecy. That's why God said we have to speak. We have to declare. We have to say things because the word says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. It's speaking things. Testimony is prophecy. If God did it before, he can do it again. Whatever we tolerate will dominate. So if we say, no, I'm, I'm, ho- I'm hopeless. It's, it's not going to work out again. Look at how bad things have gotten. I'm just going to kind of do the best that I can and put up with it. And, t- you know, I know the marriage isn't going to get better. And I know my family's not going to turn around. I know this. I just got to learn to kind of put up with it and just deal with it. And what you tolerate is going to begin to dominate. So instead, we got to say, God, no, I have hope. And I know that you've overcome and you can help me. Amen. What I love about this is that wherever you have a victory, you then have authority. Wherever you've had a victory, you now have authority. And so you go, oh, I wish I wasn't walking through this and I feel so hopeless and I feel so discouraged and I wish I didn't have to go through this battle. But when you get that victory, you then get to turn and walk in authority in that area. Someone's walked through such a hard time a broken marriage or a sickness or a loss. You have all these things like, oh, I wish I didn't have to deal with this. Kind of, but when you walk through it and trusting God and letting him be your hope and you get that victory, you now get to be a place of authority in that area. It's tough, but God can give us hope in that. Are you with me? Acts chapter seven, verse 18 tells us how we do it. It's in him. We live, move, and have our being. It's in this supernatural, hope-giving, miraculous God that we can have our being. The name of God speaks to how unbelievably miraculous and hope-filled God is. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, or he's the God who's the God of more than enough. Well, God, I just hope that you would just get me by past this. Why are we doing get by when he's the God of more than enough? Are you with me today? Last passage here, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25. We see that God's people are frustrated. They're complaining and uh, they just feel like God's not looking down on them. They don't have hope. Um, And so there's sort of this complaint thing going back and forth and heaven answers. Isaiah 40, verse 25, it says, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. 
every single night, God is putting all these things in place. And it's like, you, you don't think he can handle this that's going on in your life? Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even the youth grow tired and weary. The young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar like wing, with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It's pretty hard for us to go back to God and be like, God, where are you? What are you doing? You're not in control. Have you forgot about me? God, did you get tired? Are you weary? Did you grow tired? Are you just outdated? Should you hang it up? Are you retired? No, this pastor's like, no, God never gets that. So if he's done it before, if you have reason to hope here, you got reason to hope here again. And that's why the scripture says what we do here is, but those who hope in the Lord renew their strength. Amen. We're the ones that will get weak. We're the ones that will get worn down and discouraged. But God says, hey, keep hoping in me. Keep praying over the wayward. Keep praying over your marriage. Keep praying over the teenagers. Keep praying. Because God says, as you keep hoping that's what I get to come in and renew strength. Are you with me today? Let me pray for you. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. You might be in here this morning. You say, Pastor, that's me. I got these places that I feel hopeless. Or I got these places where I've just sort of tapped out and said, hey, I'm just going to deal with it. I'm going to tolerate it. I'm going to just put up with it the best that I can. But God is saying, no, no, that's not how you're called to live. I'm here to give you hope. I'm here to renew your strength. And so I don't know which place you find yourself in or what's maybe coming against you or a family member, but I'm, I want to pray for you today that God renews your strength, that God lifts up your hopes, that we take all of this that we just heard and realize that God is a miracle working God and we have a reason to hope. So hang on to that thing that you need right now as I pray for you. Put it on your heart and let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for who you are and how you love us. God, I thank you that you don't leave us out here by ourselves trying to figure it out by our own strength. But God, we know that it's not our might, not our power, but it's by your spirit. And so Holy Spirit, I'm asking right now that you minister to those in this room right now who feel hopeless. Minister to those that are listening online right now that feel hopeless. Whenever and however they may come across this word, God, let it be rhema, life-giving, fresh word to them. And God, I just pray for every person, again, who's in here and, and listening online that feels weary. God, I ask that you give them the strength to, to take you at your word right now and put their hope in you. I thank you that hope is rising in the room and hope is rising online and you're renewing strength. I thank you that hope in people's hearts and minds. Lord, I thank you that anything that sets itself up against people's bodies, their health, their marriages, their parenting, their children, their careers, their finances, God, anything that's setting itself up, God, we, we ask that you do a miracle and you break those chains, you tear down those strongholds that are trying to hinder your people. Lord, we ask that you do that. You raise us up, like give us wings like eagles, Lord, so we can soar. 
I thank you that you're doing it now because you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.